Hello and welcome to another edition of the First and Orange Broncos podcast presented by the Denver Post. I'm Kyle Fredrickson joined by Ryan O'Halloran and we just wrapped up day five of Broncos training camp. It is August 1st, uh, the second day in pads, sitting right now in Mr. O'Halloran's Jeep outside the facility uh, recording this podcast for you guys to get you caught up with training camp. Um, Obviously, Ryan, a lot to digest with five days in the books, a lot more to go. But as we sit here and and sort of look back at, at the days that have been um anything that stand out to you more than the rest well well kyle i think this offense looked uh functional during the offseason program and it's continued that and one thing vance joseph has said every day that likes the way they're in sync likes the way they're clicking it's tough not to be impressed by case keenum at quarterback he has thrown no interceptions through five days not even a tip ball that was picked off some kind of fluky play he shows very good command. He knows where to go with the football. And it looks like they're just well coached on offense. You do not see a lot of miscommunications in terms of routes and throws. Keenum has been great. We'll get some of the other stuff later. But to me, that's my number one takeaway is Case Keenum. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with Keenum, obviously, he hasn't really seen the full pressure of a defense in a game mode with this team. But even for how early on as it is, what are the signs that you can tell that these guys are on the same page? And, and, and what are some of the things that he avoided? Obviously, the, the major things, the interception, the tip balls. But, but sort of within the game, what, what makes you so impressed? Well, he throws, he throws a catchable football. And to explain that further is... He throws it right at your hands, right at your chest. So if you're a receiver, put those hands up, the ball's gonna find you. And then he does you know, he, he puts it in a spot where you can run after the catch. He's not gonna hang you out for the big hit by, you know, you know, throwing too far away from you, but put it in a position where you can do things, get downfield, make big plays, make first downs, etc. But also I think the big thing we I, I referred to a minute ago is you do not see a lot of operational errors with this offense right now delay a game false start Keenum having to get up from under center and go hey you get over there hey you get over here you know that kind of stuff so I think that's a positive because they're throwing a lot of plays at these players and they obviously have a good grasp of the scheme Right, and, and that trickle-down effect of having a guy like Keenum, I think it's smart to talk about him first because I think it does put the entire roster at ease in a lot of yeah. different ways, right? I mean, even defensively and, and seeing how these guys have kind of responded, in what ways does, does that impact them? One thing I can say about football players is they recognize good players, and it doesn't matter where you're drafted. It doesn't matter how much you got paid. That's why they, they like Philip Lindsay. They see an undrafted guy. They don't ma- That doesn't matter. They see a kid who can help the team win. The same thing with Keenum. These defensive players are watching the tape at night saying, pretty good throw, pretty good coverage. He still completed the pass. So I think there is a mutual admiration there. And this defense is going to be better because of the, uh, them facing Case during this uh, training camp. Right. And you mentioned Philip Lindsay. That's a good, maybe a good transition into talking about some more observations of camp. Guys who have been pleasant surprises. Lindsay, obviously undrafted, 32 teams pass him over. But here he is five days into camp getting guys, uh, veteran players like Von Mill and Miller, Brandon Marshall saying, you know, wow, this, this guy has some skill. We need a player like this. Uh, after covering Philip Lindsay last year at CU, you, you know, I saw shades of it obviously his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield was huge for the buffs we've already seen that through the course of training camp here with the way they've utilized Lindsay in some of these team settings uh, putting him in motion putting him out at receiver really trying to use that versatility uh, Ryan for you who, who are a couple of other guys who really impressed you as is maybe some names people weren't talking about before but maybe should be talking about now well we'll get to the obvious ones in a minute but 
you look at the tight end position, a guy like Austin Trailer, who, who was here last year, but taking advantage of Jeff Hireman's knee injury, Hireman's got to get back on the field. These guys are moving on without him. You know, Tim Patrick is a receiver. He keeps on making nice plays. Just a matter of will there be room on the 53-man roster for him. Right now, I don't think there will be. But on defense, you know, a guy like C.J. Smith, trying to play nickel for the first time. He was running a little bit with the ones in Wednesday's practice because of injuries to other guys. So this is a couple guys where that will really reveal itself is in the second, third, fourth quarter of the Minnesota game a week from Friday. Right, absolutely. And so with Vance Joseph entering his second training camp, we've talked about it before, we've written about it before, but his comfort level with this team, what it's going to mean, how it's going to pay dividends. Ryan, you've covered a lot of different camps through your time as an NFL reporter. Just in the way that Joseph has run this camp, what sort of shades do you see of him improving as a leader and improving as a guy who really has control of this team? Well, two things is is he's stressing situational football. This team was last in the league in red zone offense last year, so they are doing a lot of that during the first five days. And one thing I asked Joe Woods about on Wednesday was takeaways. This team was second to last in the league in turnover ratio. Yes, they turn it over a lot, but that also means they did not create a lot of takeaways. And something that Joe said that they are doing drills and practice to try and get that momentum going to when games start those tip passes are turning into interceptions. So those two things stand out. The rules really restrict Vance in terms of how long he can practice, how often he can hit. They're not tackling to the ground. That's a smart decision. But also, I think maybe he's managing the players in a good way that you look at the way camp is constructed. Five straight days, really pushing them. Day off, then three straight day off and then you really start a game week type of uh, operation so I think he's spaced these days off uh, pretty well but you know one guy is that one guy that's going to make Vance's job easier is, is rookie receiver Cortland Sutton absolutely um, go yeah, with, with, with Corlin Sutton, right, I, I, it was hard not to chime in because in a lot of ways, he, I think he's sort of been the star of camp mm-hmm. as a guy who's young and just, just totally exciting. And, and when you have a player with his size and, and his ability, you know, Case Keenum really has maybe a five to ten foot window, I think, in some cases in terms of the radius of where he can put that ball and, and where Sutton can bring it down. We've seen him make these these Randy Moss-style catches in, in several team periods so far, and including earlier this week, uh, the final play of a, of a red zone drill. And, and I think that's where you're going to see the most use out of Cortland Sutton as, as we move forward, maybe especially into this rookie year, as he get adjusted as, as a guy who can come in those situations and, and be just a really big body um, for him as well. Uh, you know, looking at this receiver core, it's, it's going to maybe be a little bit hard to get touches when you have veteran guys like that. But do you see Cortland as, as being a, a guy who emerges as a, as a top receiving threat sooner than later? Yeah, I think so. I think he has been the best player in camp. And one thing I talked about on radio today was – this should become an 11-personnel-based team with Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cortland Sutton, with Jake Butt at tight end and a tailback to be named. That's how dynamic this passing game, passing game can become. Sutton has earned that right. He's picked up right where he left off in the offseason. The games are going to be a different story. We know he's going to have some ups and downs. But if I'm a Bronco play caller and Bill Musgrave, I'm thinking at night, Got to find this. Got to find ways to get this kid right. on the field more often. And you see him running with the ones a lot, and you can tell Case Keenum has a trust factor. But you know, you you mentioned the other receivers, but let's go to tight end a little bit. You you've written about Jake Butt this offseason. You're writing about Troy Fumagalli for Thursday's print edition. How do you think this tight end room shapes up? It's going to be real interesting because I think. 
common logic, you look at Jake Butt and Jeff Hoyerman being two guys who make the roster as a lock, right? Well, with Hoyerman, you know, missing a guy who's missed two practice now uh, with that sore knee, you wonder how that might affect his spot on the roster. He's been a guy who's been here enough years and maybe hasn't produced as well as the Broncos would have liked. So at some point, do they say, hey, are we ready to cut ties with this guy? Uh, Because it's going to be tough for them to establish who that third tight end is if they do end up keeping three guys. Uh, You mentioned Austin Trailer is a guy who could potentially fill that that role. Uh, You know, uh, Troy Fumagalli is a guy who I wrote about who's really going to have to prove himself that he belongs. Here's a guy who missed the offseason program, uh, is only now kind of getting his feet wet in training camp, camp, really has to get himself back into football shape is how Vance Joseph described it. So has the skill set to thrive as a real pass catcher in this offense, a real long body um, who who can extend plays and and, and be a guy who can squeeze out in the flat and do something with the ball in the open field as well and and, and bowl a a guy or two over. So you like what he can bring, but he has to get back on the same page with the rest of this offense, has to get in football shape. Um, And that'll be something fun to watch. And, you know, as we kind of transition to looking forward ahead and things that we want to watch, you look at Fumagalli, but I also look at this running backs room, Ryan, as we look ahead and these guys get to be more physical, how are we going to maybe see this play out in the next few days, you know, or the next couple weeks, uh, how that room's going to shape out? Is that going to be easier with the pads on? Yeah, I think they got two games to figure it out. And what surprised me about how they've handled the tailback rotation so far is that everybody's getting a shot with the ones. I thought going into camp, they'd say, okay, Devontae Booker and Royce Freeman, you're going to be running with the ones. Get comfortable there. And then in the games, you're going to be uh, competing for that starting spot. Bill Musgrave praised D'Angelo Henderson. He's sort of come out and re-emerged out of nowhere. The Musgrave said that Henderson's dropped some weight. That was probably by request. Right. So how many tailbacks you keep? Uh, I mean, Henderson being solid doesn't help David Williams, in this case, the rookie draft pick. Philip Lindsay's a wild card. You know, how much can he do to help this offense to be active on game day and, and, and 46-man roster? So, you know, my my lean has changed. I thought during the summer it was going to be Royce Freeman against Seattle in Week One. The fact that Devontae Booker has really taken that first snap all these days, there has been no rotation with that in that regard. Maybe they do want to give Booker uh, a look as their uh, base down back early in the season. Absolutely, and as we sort of wrap things up here, we'll we'll look at one more topic before we let you guys go. And of course, we start with quarterbacks. Let's finish with quarterbacks. Uh, always a hot topic in Denver. We know Case Keenum is the starter behind him. Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly, what have you made early on about the development of each of these guys? Um, well, Paxton looked like the other day he was playing uphill a little bit. He had a couple bad throws. He rebounded okay on Wednesday, but you know the, the, the standard is such that it wasn't eye-popping. He just didn't make a big mistake. You know That's not going to be enough to win a game in this league. You know, Vance said after practice that Chad Kelly will get some run with the twos at some point. I think that's going to be a long way away. Uh, I think they're going to give Paxton Lynch every opportunity to win this job as a number two guy, but he needs to show some consistency. He needs to start stacking practices up. I'd play him a lot in those first two preseason games just to find out what you have. Chad Kelly's not your number two quarterback. He's not ready to do that. He hasn't taken a snap in a preseason game. So, right. uh, you know, if Paxton Lynch doesn't work out as the number two, they got to go find somebody that does. 
Absolutely. So the Broncos will take a break from training camp on Thursday. Uh, be back at it on Friday as they get ready for the preseason here. Uh, and of course, uh, our Broncos coverage team, myself and Ryan O'Halloran, will be there every step of the way. So that will do it for this edition of the First and Orange podcast presented by the Denver Post. Uh, be sure to follow all of our in-depth coverage of Broncos training camp online at thedenverpost.com and every day in our print edition. Thanks for listening in.